Welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Bratchard. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth. Hello and welcome back to the Family Beacon Podcast. I'm Grace Evans. I'm here with Moses Bratchard. So glad that you are tuning in here this week. I just want to remind you really fast, if you like this podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Please share this podcast with your family and friends. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We post podcasts, we post exclusive clips, as well as other videos in our Unwoke series. So please uh, spread the word about this podcast. It's been amazing to see it grow over the past few months. And we just, we love to continue that and just continue spreading the truth about the pro-life movement, uh, religious freedom, and family here in the state of Minnesota. That being said, Moses, we had the biggest week here at Minnesota Family Council of the entire year and in recent memory. Like, I don't remember a week since I've worked here where we've done this much. Mm-hmm. The last time I think was like the Minnesota for Marriage campaign, which is way back in 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. That was years ago. I mean, we did so much, you guys, and we just want to update you a little bit on this. And then we're going to talk about um, a really terrible thing that happened in front of the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, women taking abortion pills in front of the Supreme Court. And then we'll also do a recap of Dobbs v. Jackson since that's what's on everyone's hearts and minds. First of all, though, I want to talk a little bit about this pro-life rally that Moses and I attended. It was led by Pro-Life Action Ministries. Mm -hmm. Moses was one of the speakers. And I just want you to recap kind of what happened. If you listened to the podcast last week, you heard his great speech. Uh, He didn't want to post it originally, but I convinced him because I thought it was so good. And he completely ad-libbed it. He had this whole thing written out. I looked at at it and I said you'll be fine <laughs> he went up he didn't even look at it and he said something different and it ended up being great so Moses yeah. tell us a little bit about the pro-life rally that happened last week sure yeah so we're really grateful for our friends at pro-life action ministries that is an incredible uh, ministry to support they're outside of abortion clinics every day mm-hmm. praying and working with women and they have saved thousands of babies in the, yeah. f- in the 30 or 40 years that they've been operational and it's amazing it's amazing to see Brian Gibson is their executive director and so they invited us to come speak uh, and there was uh, about a hundred pro-life activists and and there were a lot of great speakers um, from other uh, from other pro-life groups like students for life and then um, and I had written out some remarks and and as grace said i I wasn't super thrilled with them. I showed them to Grace, and she's like, "Yeah, this is fine." Um, but then I just went up there. And I'm like, you know what? I need to talk about what's happening right now. I mm-hmm. need to talk about what's going to, and what's going to happen in Minnesota yeah. uh, if and when Roe v. Wade is overturned. So that's what I ended up talking about. I felt like the reception was good. It was great. Yeah. And um, and uh, providentially, uh, KSTP, uh, the local CBS news affiliate, was there, mm-hmm. and they had uh, they had a camera. A camera guy, and so I spoke with him about about uh, our our hopes and our hopes and plans for uh, pro life Minnesota, and that aired uh, that evening. So that was really cool, uh, great opportunity. And then um, and then oh, also Moses, I love they didn't take that much of the interview, but the in, the clip that they did take from that interview was we will we want to make abortion not only illegal but unthinkable. Yes. And I love that they took that quote specifically, and they had that video blasted out they put that in one of their articles yeah that's a really good quote it's huge yeah like we need we need we need that message to get Mm -hmm. out because it 
um, you know, like the pro the, the pro abortion movement is stuck on this repeat track where they just say pro lifers hate women, pro lifers hate women, pro lifers right, hate right. women, and abortion is liberation, abortion is liberation, and that's just utterly completely false. Right. The pro life movement cares about women, loves them, wants to give them dignity, care, financial support, housing support, whatever they need. Mm-hmm. So that they can raise their baby or give that baby up for adoption and make that process as easy as possible. Exactly. Like, when was the last time that you heard of a pro-abortion activist doing something that would help pregnant women? I've never. I've never. That's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah. People have (laughs) called Planned Parenthood and been like, you know, do you have, like, funds to help me buy baby Mm -hmm. formula and diapers? Like, uh, no. We only help you if you make the other choice. And for every one, like, for every one adoption referral that Planned Parenthood does, which is very rare, they do 10 abortions. Wow. That's the statistics, which is crazy. That's That's... according to their 2019 report. Yeah, and so in the, in the, and and in fact, even in the aftermath of the case last week at the Mm -hmm. Supreme Court, you had people just coming out and attacking adoption because Justice Barrett uh, mentioned it on the court, Mm -hmm. which I will talk about later. Yeah. So, uh, so that was one thing, not the most important thing uh, that went on with MFC last week. Um, We had our CEO, John Helmberger, was interviewed by uh, Craig DeRoche of Family Policy Alliance. Uh, and on the steps of of SCOTUS and uh, John and uh, Renee Carlson of True North Legal, our legal arm. Renee did great. uh, Renee did amazingly. So she met with uh, Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence. Yes, at a private fundraiser. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's this video, which we'll roll the clip uh, in a few seconds, but basically she's meeting with Pence and she's talking to him and she's saying, I really appreciate how you talked about how abortion not only impacts children, but also culture and women. And he goes, yeah, I got that from your brief. (laughs) Which is amazing. And everybody's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, kudos kudos to uh, former Vice President Pence because he was one of the most prominent figures who were in Washington last Mm -hmm. week and and joining in with pro-life activists and celebrating the work uh, of the of the state of Mississippi, they did an amazing job yep. at the Supreme Court, which we'll talk about, and uh, and all the people like all the pro life activists ac- activists like Marjorie Danafelser of SBA List, and mm-hmm. and Renee Carlson of our own True North Legal yeah. organization who su- who submitted briefs to the Supreme Court, who are helping make this case. They helped bring this case to the Supreme Court. Yep. They helped give the justices the arguments they need. Uh, to to fight against Roe v. Wade, that's that's what our brief was an yep. attempt to do, and then and so that was the the event was a celebration of people like Renee and, and Renee. She got a little medal, uh, yeah. which is so cool. So another thing that happened uh, last week uh, was uh, more on the home front. Mm-hmm. Our lead program opened registration, so our lead program will be a July twenty fourth to 29th, twenty ninth, twenty twenty two, and we will talk about that more in future programs. But I think yep. it's it's such a cool program. Uh, it is to to help uh, uh, high school age students learn how uh, leadership works by showing them how the Minnesota state government works. They they come in, we go to the Capitol, yep. and we are a mock legislature for that week. But I will say this isn't just a camp. If you're interested in politics, it's really not. And I want to stress that because I, a lot of the times I talk talk to students and talk to people, and I think they love it. But then they say, oh, I'm not into politics. That's not my thing. But the thing is, it's so much more than that. And even if you don't right. like politics,
politics. Like, honestly, I don't like politics. Honestly, who likes politics? But it's important to be. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I get it. But who's like, you need to be informed. And there's so many more things that are happening. Like, I will probably be speaking on the pro-life movement. We're probably going to have lots of different panels. Moses will be there. He'll probably talk about messaging and media and how you should. We're going to have a big worldview component. Yes. And we we have Jonathan Woodyard uh, speaking on that. He's phenomenal. Uh, He's going to be our worldview worldview speaker. So we have different breakout sessions. And more speakers to be announced, including some that you will recognize. Yes. So, so we have very cool. we have so much planned. And I've been involved for the past three years, I think. Uh, and it's just amazing to see. One of the best things about it, I think, is just there's so many like-minded people. Like, if you are a teen and you go to a homeschool co-op, you're probably surrounded by some like-minded people. But your avenue and your streams are probably pretty small. This really just expands it. And these friends you make at Lead are friends you're going to make for a lifetime. Our producer, Jack Bittner, actually was a student when I was helping to be one of the counselors for Lead. And it was great meeting him. And then years later, we needed a video producer. And I knew that he did video production because of that. And we reached out to him. And we're still friends um, to this day. So we love that. The connections are amazing. So definitely yeah. check it out. We'll have the link on the screen here. You can go to leadminnesota.org.com. Mm-hmm. Leadminnesota.org. Leadminnesota.org. Yep. And you should definitely check it out. At some point, we'll have Patience Griswold, who is the program coordinator, on to talk about it um, further. But I can't speak highly enough of it. It's a great program. Otherwise, we also had a article published in the Star Tribune, right, Moses? Oh, yes. Talk wow, about that. I forgot. That That's was huge. so cool. Mm-hmm. So Renee, uh, Renee worked with Professor Teresa Collette of the University of St. Thomas to write this brief, which yeah. was then joined in by uh, uh, Vice President Mike Pence and other pro-life organizations around the country. So that was submitted to the Supreme Court, uh, which is just amazing in itself. And so we talked about that. And then... Um, what, uh, what Renee did then is she wrote a short 700-word article uh, basically outlining the arguments made in the brief mm-hmm. um, that abortion, we didn't focus on the right to life because we knew that other people were focusing on that. We wanted to focus on the negative societal implications of mm-hmm. abortion. For example, how abortion makes it easier for sex predators to cover up the evidence of the crime, essentially. by right. So, so uh, just the evidence is clear. Um, most teen pregnancies result uh, are, are the result of an adult man being with a uh, being with a uh, a teen girl. That's just those are the statistics, and when that's the case, uh, those adult men are very frequently involved in procuring an abortion. So yep. they're they're covering up the statutory rape that's going on by by uh, by. Uh, by using the abortion industry. And the abortion industry is, of course, complicit in that. Yeah, and you know what is disgusting, Moses? I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but a few years ago, Live Action went undercover to expose this. Mm, In Planned Parenthood, they had people uh, just role-playing as pimps and girls role-playing as underage victims, like Mm -hmm. 12, 13, 14 years old. Mm. And it was terrible, the footage. I mean... These, these men would say, oh, like, she's underage, but I just really need her to get an abortion. And these Planned Parenthood officials would say, oh, well, you know, uh, I can't help you if you tell me that she's under this age. But if you tell me she's over this age, we can give you an abortion. And no questions asked. Like, I won't report anything because she'll be over the age. So just let me tell you, make sure you do it this way. And they would help them with these loopholes. And they wouldn't, they refuse to report these pimps, which is just terrible. I yeah. mean, the fact that Planned Parenthood will stand with sex traffickers and not underaged women shows that they're not pro-women. Horrifying. They are not pro-women at all, and women deserve so much better than Planned Parenthood. Yes, yes. 
So, um, so it, it, we published that in the Star Tribune, and mm-hmm. that is our that is our state's biggest newspaper. It's actually, I think, the sixth biggest newspaper in the country by yeah. circulation, which is weird. So, this newspaper goes out to a lot of different houses in Minnesota, and we're bringing the fight uh, to the people in the sense by by showing through these reasoned arguments by two very respected lawyers mm-hmm. that this is not just, uh, there are so many aspects, so many reasons why abortion is uh, wrong, not just for individual people, but for our society as a whole. So the last thing I want to talk about before we get into uh, our more current events portion mm-hmm. is uh, next week we are having our the Minnesota Leadership Forum, which is going to be so our cool. Our first ever annual event of its kind. Our first ever uh, gubernatorial I, debate uh, debate period. Yeah. Yeah, so neat. So we're going to have all the yep. major conservative candidates for governor. We're going to mm-hmm. be at uh, Providence Academy in Plymouth, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Tickets at this point are still available, mnforum.org. They're selling out, org. though. We have barely yeah, we any are, left. We are, we are almost sold out. A couple, uh, some seats are going to open up um, as, we, as we redistribute VIP seats. So by the time you watch this seats will still be available um unless something <laughs> unless something happens but yeah. i i hope that by the time you see this uh seats are still available so go to mnforum.org tickets are cheap 20 to 25 bucks depending on where you want to sit moses and i will be there we're super excited to talk to you guys yes don't yes. be shy we'd love to just talk about things we talk on the podcast or just get to know you guys absolutely it's always great to meet you in person i mean yeah yeah we'd yeah. love to we'd love to meet anybody uh who is a podcast fan just come up to one of us you'll, yeah. you'll see us there and uh, so that's a really exciting event because we're coming into a, a point, uh, the, the, uh, I believe the caucus uh, process starts in February. So all these, all these uh, conservative candidates are going to, they're, they're in the stage where they're, right. they're asking for support from individuals as we approach the process. And basically the candidates with the most uh, supporters and the most vocal supporters are going to have that advantage through the caucus participation mm-hmm. process. So just to give you a heads up of who those candidates are, we have... In alphabetical order, Senator Michelle Benson, uh, who's uh, in the Minnesota Senate, and she uh, serves on the, I believe, Health and Human Services uh, Committee. I'm not sure about that. Uh, she's been a great pro-life advocate. Uh, Senator Paul Gazelka, who is the former Senate Majority Leader, another great pro-life advocate. In fact, all of the candidates are strongly pro-life, which is a huge blessing and better than we've seen in Minnesota in the past. Senator Paul Gazelka, and then we have... Um, Dr. Scott Jensen, who has received a lot of attention, his campaign has received a lot of attention for mm-hmm. pushing back against uh, pushing back against some of the uh, COVID overreach. So uh, there's some buzz around his campaign. Excited to see him in person. Mm-hmm. Then we have uh, Mayor Mike Murphy of Lexington, Minnesota, and he we added him uh, later uh, to the debate schedule because we were hearing from activists on the ground that that he was uh, building support. So um, so we're excited to see how he performs. And then finally, uh, Dr. Neil Shaw. Dr. Shaw is another uh, doctor who's got into the race, and partly he's also pushing back against the mm-hmm. the COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, mentality that uh, that the medical establishment is in. So we have a lot of great candidates. December 15th, get tickets at mnforum.org. It will also be live streamed mm-hmm. uh, on our our ally, Alpha News. They're our co-sponsor here. They're, they'll be live streaming the event on video. And then also our other co-sponsor is AM1280, The Patriot. 
which is a huge uh, radio station in this area, and they will be uh, broadcasting it live on yeah. radio. Yeah, and I'll be uh, broadcasting live on our Instagram as well, so that'll be good. Yes, so that'll be so very lots of different ways. Um, mm-hmm. I think the best way is going to be to just get tickets because it's going to be an incredible event. Yeah, it's I'm in this so palatial excited. theater in right. Plymouth, Minnesota, this massive, beautiful complex at Providence Academy. And I also just love being around people that think similarly because, yeah. I mean, it's so easy to get divided over, oh, you think this thing on this issue and I think this thing. But in the end, it's amazing to be surrounded by Minnesotans who really care about these issues and care about our freedom and are invested in the next generation and how um, who's going to be governor because, really, it has great implications for Roe v. Wade in our state, which we will talk yes. about later. Yes. Um, so very excited for that event. Definitely come say hi to us if you see us there. And I forgot one thing. This event is moderated by none other than award-winning broadcaster Hugh Hewitt, mm-hmm. which is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I told my mom that, and she's like, are you serious? Is she coming? <laughs> My mom? I'm not sure. That would be so fun to see her. I don't think I've met her. I, I don't think she will. My mom is a wonderful person, but she lives in Wisconsin, and so she doesn't care. She loves my job and what I'm doing, but yeah. she doesn't care super much about the Minnesota governor's race. It's so <laughs> funny, though. When I was live streaming your speech at the Pro-Life Rally, she was like, whoa, go Oh, that's sweet. And she kept doing really good comments. It was great. Oh, that's yeah. nice. I love family support. Like, my family yes. is probably my biggest, they're probably my biggest fans. I have this video of my baby brother, Matthew, who's four years old. The cutest. He's so cute. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Um, he's He dances to our one of our recent promo videos for the podcast. We have a bunch of music <laughs> in it. Um, and he just dances to it, and it's so cute. So maybe at some point we need to share an exclusive clip of that. An exclusive clip of Matthew, who is very cute. Our youngest fan. Excellent content. Yeah. Probably better than anything we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but with that said, uh, we need to talk about a little bit more about what happened last week. Uh, we need to talk yeah. about some of the good things and the bad things that came out last week. Yeah. And I think there's one thing that really stood out, stood out to me, Grace, and to mm-hmm. other people that really showed where the pro-abortion movement is, <laughs> the dark place right. that they're at. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So we're going to talk about the negative stuff first, and then we'll end on a positive note, because talking yes. about abortion, it just it can really drag you down sometimes. But this is an argument you hear all the time from people that are pro-abortion. You hear the argument that no one's really pro-abortion. They're just pro-choice. No one actually celebrates abortion. No one wants to get an abortion. Right. Women that get abortions, it's very rare, first of all, and... It's just not something that anyone actually wants to get. Well, that could not be farther from the truth. And that's what we saw this week at the Supreme Court. Um, We're going to roll this clip in a moment. First, I'm going to describe the scene to you for those of you that are listening on one of our platforms. Um, You're going to see, if you're watching online, if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see this banner. We are taking abortion pills forever being held up by two women. They're right in front of the steps of the Supreme Court. And there's four women in front that have abortion pills in their hand. Let's go ahead and roll that clip. Right. So right there, first of all, tragic, Moses. I mean, it is devastating and just horrific that there are these women in front of the Supreme Court killing their children, smiling and laughing about it. Uh, 
there's, as you could see, there were at least four women there who were taking those pills, and all of these women are cheering, abortion pills forever, we are taking abortion pills forever, and this was done by none other than Shout Your Abortion, which there is, I have some, I think I'm blocked from them on their Instagram, oh, really? actually. Yeah, that and I don't think I've, something right. <laughs> I don't think I've ever commented on one of their posts, I think they just blocked me. Wow. Um, so... You must They're, be on the list. I must the be on the list. activist list. So I just want to read something from their website because this is just an abs- absolutely satanic group. Um, they say that abortion is normal. Our stories are ours to tell. This is not a debate. They seek to uh, create space for others to talk about abortion in their own terms at community events, arts, and media all over the country. Yeah. And their whole goal is literally to shout their abortion. Yeah. And so on their website, they talk about how Dobbs v. Jackson is going to hurt women and how this is just a terrible moment. And they have this, like, light-up image going on the Supreme Court that says abortion pills forever. Like, they can broadcast their message onto the steps of the Supreme right. Court. Which Some also, projector. Mm-hmm. it's terrible. But they also, uh, Students for Life has this amazing one that's like, we are the pro-life generation, we are the post-row generation. They also had that lighting it up. Mm-hmm. But... They have this part on their website, which is just absolutely terrible. It's called The Good News. And underneath it, it says, abortion pills are safe, effective, and widely available online. In fact, you can now order pills to have on hand before you're even pregnant. Oh, uh, the, the Good News. First of all, they're not safe. They say that they're safe, effective. They're not safe at all because a child dies every single time. They're not even safe for women, in fact, because... Um, Oftentimes, women will start hemorrhaging, which is losing lots of blood, and they'll have to be hospitalized for this. Women should not be taking abortion pills, period, but they should not be taking them in their own homes, in their own bathrooms, in their own college campuses. It's so unsafe, yeah. and it's just disgusting to me. And there's there's a lot that I could say, but Moses, I want to let you have a word, even though you're a man, even though you have no uterus. <laughs> no uterus, no opinion, you know, as we say. But it's just it's disgusting, and yeah. it shows... One, they're pretty desperate. On their website, they say that it's very likely that Roe v. Wood will be overturned. But they say, that's no worry because we're still going to be taking abortion pills. We're still going to be taking them forever, even if yeah. it's illegal. Yeah. So so this, that is what that is going to be one of the next battles mm-hmm. when Roe v. Wade, not if, when Roe mm-hmm. v. Wade is overturned, there will be uh, the, the battle over um, abortion pills coming through the mail is going to be one of the big battles. I mean, in fact, we're fighting it now. Yeah. I just want to say that if you know anyone who... Uh, is considering an abortion, and we've said this before, but uh, when the, it's a two-pill sequence, and when you take the first pill, there is a chance still of reversing that abortion. And so you can go to abortionpillreversal.com or call. Um, eight seven, one, it, go ahead. Yeah, 877-558-0333. Yes, and, and that is just so important to get that out there because that website has been, mm-hmm. uh, I think Google has banned them from advertising. Same with Live Action, who run, ran uh, abortion pill reversal ads. We did a podcast okay. episode on yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so it's just so important to remember that... Um, making that decision is not necessarily final. There are babies alive today, mm-hmm. many babies, that hundreds of babies who that. have, who have, uh, because their moms chose to make to go a different direction. Yeah. And now I want to say I want to share regarding this, um, regarding what these poor girls did on um, mm-hmm. these poor young women. Uh, our CEO John Helberger, who was at the step on the steps of um, the Supreme Court while this was all going on. So he, uh, he, he wrote this in our, in our weekly wrap uh, mm-hmm. last week, which I thought was just so good. 
Um, uh, so there was just this great divide. There was literally a physical barricade, a metal barricade. Yeah, I heard that from multiple people. Yeah, between also the, that mm-hmm. the people on the pro- pro-abortion side were just, it was so weird because they were pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. They were dejected. There weren't that many of them. They were majorly outnumbered. Yeah. And the people on the pro-life side, obviously speaking the truth and love, but so um, so enthusiastic, Moses. Yeah. It's almost like they know that they've already lost. Yeah. It's almost like everyone knows the pro-life generation is winning. I mean, yes. it's in all the headlines, right? Like New York Times can't ignore it. Washington Post can't ignore it. We are overturning Roe versus Wade. This is the post-Roe generation, yeah. and it's an amazing thing. But sorry, you were saying. Yeah, no, no. What you're saying is absolutely right. So there was a there was a real there was a physical divide mm-hmm. and also a, a a serious spiritual and emotional mm-hmm. divide. Uh, so John writes, it seemed to me that this reflected a great divide between a culture that celebrates life and a culture that glorifies and boasts of death. Mm-hmm. Nothing could underscore, underscore this contrast more starkly than a horribly sad thing that happened on the pro-abortion side of the fence. Three young women took abortion pills in front of a cheering pro-abortion crowd right on the steps of the Supreme Court as the justices heard oral arguments inside. My first thought was, of course, to pray for these girls who have been deeply wounded by a culture that has taught them that this is an acceptable, even a good thing to do, as Grace has been alluding to. My second thought was a question. What has caused America to become a place where young women are encouraged by cheering crowds to take an abortion pill that would kill their baby and uh, potentially cause them great harm as well? In a word, Roe v. Wade. This is what Roe has made us. Mm -hmm. And then another thought occurred to me. What if we are about to turn a corner? What if the days in which abortion is publicly celebrated and glorified on the steps of the Supreme Court are close to being over? What a blessing from God that would be. And I just have to, I just had to go amen to, to what John was saying there. I, I, I think, you know, um, the idea, like this would have been inconceivable in previous generations for pro-abortion protesters to mm-hmm. be on the step of the Supreme Court glorifying mm-hmm. this process. And I watched the video. It's so sad. It's, yeah, it's, These girls, it's, you can tell they're nervous. You can mm-hmm. tell they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. And they're angry. They've obviously been hurt by mm-hmm. it, to to come to this place. They've been hurt in their lives to think that this is an acceptable thing to do. And there they are, and they're taking these pills as the crowd cheers. It's just horrifying. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. And I don't know. I just want to talk briefly, also, kind of building off of this. Um, a lot of people are saying, "Well, we can't overturn Roe because." If we did that, it would have societal implications. We don't have a plan for government-funded services for women, et cetera. And, of course, we've debunked that lie quite a bit um, on the podcast. There are federally qualified health centers that uh, outnumber Planned Parenthood on a scale of 20 to 1, and they are all over the country in more places than Planned Parenthood and offer more services without, with the exception of abortion, of course. Uh, I want to read this tweet um, that Grant May posted. He's uh, He used to work for Teen Pact, and it was very, it was very, very good. It, he said... Imagine stopping the Allied forces before they liberated a concentration camp in 1945, shouting, mm. wait, what's your plan to provide government-funded services for the prisoners? Are you really pro-life or are you just anti-gas chamber? Wow. He says, that's how some of y'all are sounding right now. We can have the discussion about how many taxpayer-funded social f- services we provide, but we should not delay saving lives until we figure out how Uncle Sam will care for everyone from womb to tomb. Let's stop the womb from becoming a tomb, from being a tomb. Mm-hmm. So that's yes. so good, I think. And even with slavery, you can make the same argument. I mean, what, like, 
if why would we stop fighting evil simply because we don't have a perfect solution? Right. Like the solution is to end this evil and to keep pressing onwards and to um, you know keep fighting for resources for women because of course you're never going to have a perfect society where everything is absolutely perfect. But it would be so much better to save lives than to just wait and say, oh wait wait, what about this plan? What about this? What about right. how the adoption process isn't absolutely perfect? Um, so I just, yeah. I thought that was amazing. And when I saw that, I just, I, I knew I had to share it on the podcast. Yes, that's so good. I think people, people, some people are going to, um, not listeners of this podcast, but some people just reject the comparison to the Holocaust. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's too extreme. It's so, so extreme. Mm-hmm. And yet what else do you compare it to? And it is a genocide. And we've lost more people in this genocide than any other genocide in history, right. in the history of the world. Right. And it's a genocide not based on race, mm-hmm. not based on um, ethnicity or what, uh, whatever qualifiers, but based on just simple age, location. age, location, and level of development. Mm-hmm. Those are the ways in which our culture has made it acceptable to yep. prey on the unborn. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about um, the oral arguments of the Dobbs v. Jackson mm-hmm. case. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. So this was an interesting case. Um, I was surprised that the Supreme Court took it up. We've discussed it on the podcast. Again, this is uh, the Supreme Court uh, is um, taking up a challenge to Mississippi, a Mississippi law in which abortion is, um, abortion is uh, regulated at 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. So that was what the court was taking up. Uh, they were going to try, they're trying to narrowly uh, discuss whether that ban was constitutional. Now, it's surprising for them to take it up in the first place because uh, under the current jurisprudence um, of the Roe v. Wade case and then Planned Parenthood v. Casey, um, the Roe v. Wade has set the viability line at 24 weeks, and that is, in our current society, that is the constitutional justification for abortion, grounded in the quote-unquote penumbras and emanations from the 14th Amendment. So crazy, uh, mm-hmm. there's no constitutional basis. Very interestingly, no one in the arguments, uh, the, the recording of the oral arguments is available, so you can actually hear the justices speaking um, and talking to and, and, and asking questions of the, of the Mississippi team and then various other attorneys, uh, including the Solicitor General of the United States, who is defending uh, the abortion laws for the Biden administration. So, um, so various justices ask different questions. And it's important to be cautious about what the justices are asking and whether that, uh, and what that suggests. Mm-hmm. So like none of the, uh, so we're currently in a state uh, where the, uh, the Supreme Court is, um, is, is a conservative court. There are six uh, conservative justices, um, Chief Justice Roberts, um, Justice Alito, Justice um, Thomas, Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Gorsuch, and Justice Barrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then only three liberal justices, Justices Sotomayor, Kagan, and Breyer. So um, so there's a really good, uh, really good so, uh, conservative majority. We love to see that. Now, um, much of the focus has been on the Chief Justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts has shown um, a desire to be a consensus builder. And it's very important to him to maintain the respectability of the court. He does not want, none of the justices want the court to be partisan mm-hmm. in the sense that we, in a party political sense. But some of the justices, for example, uh, Justice Thomas has openly called for the abolition of Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. which, for which God bless him. Uh, yeah. None of the other justices have actually done that. Um, and, and in fact, all of the justices who are currently on the court have 
in their Senate confirmation hearings have referred to Roe as settled law, and many of them are very reluctant to overturn Roe v. Wade. So I, a lot of the question uh, in the, a lot of the commentary on the Dobbs case and, and the oral arguments we heard last week are focusing on what the Chief Justice will do. Mm-hmm. Um, if he if he uh, if he does not if he if he votes against this then there could still be a majority uh, to uh, to dismiss Roe v. Wade because Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, that's still five justices. Mm-hmm. That's a 5-4 majority on the court. If the chief justice joins the opinion, if mm-hmm. he votes to uphold the Mississippi law, then a couple things could happen. So first of all, uh, the arguments for the um, for the current state of things against the Mississippi law advanced by uh, the Solicitor General and advanced by um, Whole Women's, no, uh, Jackson Women's Center, the abortion clinic in Mississippi that was challenging this law. They basically, they their arguments left the court no opportunity to uphold this law without overturning Roe v. Wade, if mm-hmm. you follow me. Mm-hmm. So they're basically saying, no, you have to reject this law because if you accept this law, you can't mm-hmm. let the Roe and Casey um, precedents stand. You, mm-hmm. you like, you're, you're literally completely changing the jurisprudence of this country. And some people are saying that was a dumb move. Like a lot yeah. of abortions, most abortions take place before 15 weeks, which mm-hmm. is the Mississippi standard. So... A lot of people are saying, well, why doesn't the pro-abortion movement concede that we have, we're, we're in a place where a majority of Americans, 53%, uh, support a 15-week abortion ban. A majority of justices on the Supreme Court appear to support a 15-week mm-hmm. abortion ban or an even more restrictive ban. I think it's because they know if they concede ground here, we're going to keep pushing and pushing until we absolutely abolish abortion. Well, that's that's right. That's right. Yeah. But the, this tactic may have brought that result about sooner because mm-hmm. it may be, um, it, it, it does appear that Chief Justice Roberts uh, wants to uphold the Mississippi law without overturning Casey and Roe. Mm-hmm. So if he, being the Chief Justice, he has the ability. If he joins the, um, if he joins the majority, uh, and it looks like the majority will be uh, uh, in favor of the Mississippi law, uh, we hope and pray. If he joins the majority, then he can then write the opinion himself. Mm-hmm. He, he he assigns who writes the opinion if he's in the majority. The most senior justice on each side decides who writes the um, the dissenting opinion and who mm-hmm. writes the majority opinion. And then there are concurring opinions. And it's all a more complex. And, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so take take all this with a grain of salt. But I'm going based on uh, – a lot of this is based on the commentary from lawyers at National Review magazine, which has been a great asset. So Justice uh, Chief Justice Roberts could then take the opportunity to – uh, to take that, to write that opinion, and write it in such a way that would uphold Roe and Casey, but instead of uh, instead of the 24-week viability line, he would push that back to a mm-hmm. 15-week line. Now, there's 15 weeks is completely arbitrary. <laughs> it's right. even more arbitrary than viability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that would stand on shaky ground, I think, legally. Very but that shaky. would be a way that the court could move forward while preserving Roe v. Wade and Casey. Now, and the Chief Justice you could say, may have the power to do that. Now, it's also possible that he will... So the justices have already voted. So they met mm-hmm. in conference committee, I think... they call, No, conference committee. They call it conference. 
on Friday, and secretly they took votes. We now, just don't, won't know until we early won't summer. Know. We won't know until next summer because mm-hmm. that is how long the process of writing and editing the opinions will mm-hmm. take. So we don't know what the justices, which way the justices voted. They're also able to change their vote uh, throughout the process. I did not know that. Yes, <gasps> yep. So nothing is binding until the final opinions are released. Wow. Okay. So, um, so we could see, we could see, uh, yeah, we, I, so, so we don't know. I think we can say with a fair amount of certainty that um, the direction of the court is the, just taking up this case and just the way the oral arguments went. We can say with some amount of certainty that the court is turning against the Roe v. Wade standard by which it is impossible, in, unconstitutional for uh, states to regulate abortion before the age of viability defined at 24 weeks. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at it. Grace is just smiling like a like a like a like a like a hungry cat right now. Like <laughs> oh, I don't like that analogy, but <laughs> looking no, like a I don't know, like a like, like a, a pro-life activist. Well, smiling like a pro-life a- activist, but well, also it just seems so many Moses. There are so many trigger states. They have post-Roe laws in place That's that true. if we abolish Roe at the national level, then suddenly multiple states become absolutely 100% pro-life with no exception, which unfortunately means Minnesota has the danger of becoming an abortion mecca, meaning a lot of our border states that are much more conservative than us will come here to try to obtain abortions, which means our role in this is crucial. But the reason I'm smiling is because we already have a plan to abolish Roe at Minnesota Family Council. We do. We will be drafting legislation. Moses and I are drafting legislation. And we have even more secret plans that will become public. Yes, in the future. absolutely. But um, that's why I'm smiling is we're really at a crucial moment in history. And even if they decide to uphold the Roe v. Wade, uh, Roe v. Wade but they still bump it back to about 15 weeks, that is still a huge win for the pro-life movement because oh, yeah. we are going to save so many lives. I mean, I think we're in like the hundred and something day uh, in Texas of babies being saved in Texas, yes. which is amazing. I mean, that's I think it's over 100 babies every day. I think, I think that's the number, wow. which is just insane. And... It, it makes me so happy because I feel like, I mean, I, I can't say I've been fighting for this my whole life because I really only got involved in this maybe six years ago, truly involved in it. So when you were 14? Yeah, I feel like, that, I, feel like I got involved <laughs> well, in Well, that's pretty much all of your, you know, before right. people are 14, they're not really fighting for anything. They're just being kids. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I more became active around freshman or sophomore year in high school, but it truly is like... It is a pivotal moment, and I am so excited to tell my grandkids, like, I fought this. It's it's like slavery, you know? Like, I want to be the one who's – I want to be on the right side of history, not just for being on the right side of history, but I want to be able to say, like, I opposed this great evil when it wasn't popular to do so, and what did we do? We went and won. We went and fought for the voiceless because they didn't have a voice. And now we are, live in a culture that preserves life. So yeah. I really think our future is bright and – People will say, no, this isn't the post-Roe generation. No, life isn't winning. Well, why then is the pro-abortion side so scared? Why do they feel the need to take abortion pills outside of the Supreme right. Court? Why are they so quiet? Yeah, They know that they're losing. They know they're losing. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that's really interesting is if you look at the polling data, uh, the nation remains very divided about abortion. Yeah. For sure. And the nation essentially remains just about as divided. Uh, in fact, um, it, uh, the nation is more pro-life now 
than it was in 1973 when, when Roe v. Wade was decided. Mm-hmm. There are more people opposed to abortion now than there were then, which is kind of crazy in its own right. Now, that after 40 years of legal well, abortion. the reason is because we have a lot more resources now. I mean, obviously, medical technology, but also education, live mm-hmm. actions work, educating the general public on this is what an abortion is. Here's an, a video, an animated video of what it actually does to the child. Right. Their work and the work of other pro-life organizations like ourselves here in Minnesota. Right. Yep. Have been we've been spreading the truth and people are suddenly aware because I think before a lot of people didn't even know what abortion was they didn't know the facts about fetal development and I think it's easy to support a cause that you don't truly you haven't truly researched I mean before when I was pro-life but I didn't really do much about it and talk much about it I hadn't actually researched it I I kind of knew why I was pro-life but I didn't truly know all of the facts and when I started researching I couldn't stop I just I kept going and getting into this um, I don't want to say dark hole but like this light hole I guess of, of finding all these facts and truths and I think the more that we educate people the more that we're going to see this continue to change because there's been videos shown of like street interviews like hey will you what what's your opinion on abortion they're like oh I'm absolutely for it right and then they'll watch a video of what an abortion is an animated video and they say no one should be allowed to do that yeah so yep. hearts and minds are changing. Hearts and minds. And one yeah. thing that's interesting is, like, we talk, we, we, we bash Generation Z a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and a Generation Z, as we've discussed, is much more likely to accept um, ideas about sexuality that are crazy <laughs> and that are not, that are just. What are like, your pronouns? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Have I been calling by the wrong pronouns this entire time? Yeah, yeah. So, um,. Yeah, my pro my pronouns are leave me alone. Um, my pronouns are she slash her. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not funny because it's it's only funny if you have oh, weird that's, ones. That's true. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so as we say, Generation Z has they have they have some stuff that they need to work out, but Generation Z is just as likely or more likely to be pro life as Generation uh, Y, the Millennials, mm-hmm. and Generation X. People born in the yeah. early '80s and and then and the Boomers. So Generation Z is just as pro-life or more pro-life, even though they're out there demonstrating for climate change and racial justice and crazy weird. Because um, that's what's trendy. That's the thing. Well, yeah. So I think I think one thing that's for our advantage is that people, the Gen Z, is compassionate, mm-hmm. and and sometimes that compassion is misplaced and misguided. But in other cases that compassion leads them to recognize the humanity of the unborn. And mm-hmm. that's why Grace is totally correct that we are living in the post-Roe generation. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's amazing. It's historical. We're going to have yeah. – our kids will read textbooks about this and about this summer. And yes. it's going to be oh seen gosh, they will. as pivotal. I mean, wow. Renee Carlson's name will probably be in there. <laughs> wow. That is a crazy thing to think about. Yeah. So I just want to say, uh, to recap here, mm-hmm. we do not know what the court is, ha- is doing. Everything could change between now and next June, and um, and we could see we could see a disappointing result. But it does Our seem clear. Is still bright though. Yeah, mm-hmm. them, the court taking up this abortion case. Yeah. They have not even taken up a serious abortion case since 1992. Yeah. So the fact that they're doing so now is evidence, is evidence that the that the the tide is changing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to see that. Those are my last words on that. Um, what do you think, Grace? What's your conclusion here? Yeah, I mean, I think the conclusion is now more than ever, each of you listening to this podcast right now, you need to know why you believe uh, what you believe. You need to know why you are pro-life and be able to defend that because if we stay silent, no one will stand up. 
And uh, so, so keep on listening to this podcast because we talk about it all the time. We have exclusive episodes launching uh, over Christmas break uh, and going into January about um, they're specifically on pro-abortion arguments and how you can debunk yes. them in day-to-day life. We filmed t- two parts because there were just so many that I wanted to cover. And that's going to be a really helpful resource for you all. So educate yourself. I mean, I think uh, Ben Carson said this, and he really impacted me as a child. He once said, like, you should dedicate just one hour every single day to learning about something you're passionate about. And mm. then by the time you're it's even you're even two years into practicing this, you're going to know so much about this topic. And it doesn't yeah. even have to be the same topic. But that is what I did when I heard him say that. I said, okay, what am I something I'm passionate about? Okay, I'm really passionate about the pro-life movement. And I started researching it sometimes for more than an hour a day. And you have this huge database. If you even do it for five minutes, it doesn't have to be a whole hour because right. I know we're busy. But I would just encourage you to educate yourselves. Just know the facts so that you can stand for truth. That's what we aim to do here on the podcast. And if you're a part of Gen Z and you're feeling a little bit lost and you feel like those around you just aren't understanding, feel free to either reach out to me on Instagram or and I would love to have a conversation with you. Or you can talk to your school. I'd love to come in and give a pro-life presentation. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that today. And I love talking with Gen Z just about how you can get involved, why you should care, if you're why if you're a Christian you must be pro-life, and yeah. why you should not be just personally pro-life. That's just inconsistent. Yes. So Minnesota Family Council is here for you. We are here to serve you in any way we possibly can. And we're so grateful that you're tuning into this podcast. Keep on fighting for life. This has been the Family Beacon Podcast. I'm Grace Evans, and this is Moses Bratchard. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to or watching this episode of the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life, family, and religious freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at MN Family Council and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts, stand for truth. Thank you.